The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. You may be seated. God bless. You're awesome people. And I love you very, very much. I bring good news to you tonight. Jesus is alive and well. I bring good news to you tonight. His church is in bride order. Amen. She's getting ready. She's getting ready to go meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. One of the greatest stories of all time, allegorical story of all time, is Solomon when he went and disguised himself as a shepherd and fell in love with a Shulamite girl who was a daughter of a Shulamite shepherd. He wanted somebody that would love him, not for what he was, but for who he was. And this little girl fell in love with him. It's the story of the Song of Solomon. And when he went back, as he proposed, and the father said yes, then the preparation for the wedding was set. And in in Jewish custom, the, the groom never lets the bride know when he's coming. And the bride must be ready day and night, for you never know the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And so she thought he was going to come back herding some sheep because he disguised himself as a shepherd, but she was so shocked. When he came back in his golden chariot with all of his aides, with all of his lieutenants and all of his commanders, he was the king of all of Israel. One day, falling in love with a shepherd is going to pay great dividends to this church because he's not coming back as a shepherd. He's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm pumped and I'm excited about it and I'm thrilled beyond measure. And I'll let you sit down calisthenics time. Stand back up. You're awesome people. I love you. I want to read the text first, Sister Marilyn, if you don't mind. Romans 8, 28 through 32 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Do you believe that? who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this, if God is for us? Wow. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? My subject tonight is, it is just a chapter. Say, it is just just a chapter. You may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight about chapters. I wrote a book once. Hopefully I'll write several more before I say goodbye to this earth. But I wrote 17 chapters in that book. Every chapter represented a mile. Every mile was the mile that I took in a journey from grief to grace. You all right? That sounded cute really did. Mine don't sound that way. Mine sound horrible. 
I remember when I used to be in school, I thought I was pretty cool, you know, and girls kind of liked me. I didn't date anybody, but I think I could have. <laughs> I was scared to death to ask somebody. But they would do this. <laughs> and I'd try that. And it would go. <laughs> and I'd look around, and they all looking at me, and it wasn't the kind of attention I wanted. But books have chapters. And when you look at a person's story, you realize that their story is always divided into chapters. There are chapters in the story of our life. There are chapters in the story of our businesses. There are chapters in the story of this church. But, point number one, chapters are just chapters. They are not the story. Say amen to that. A good book is made up of many chapters that are part of the greater whole. The chapters that are good or bad are not meant to be the story. They are like ingredients in a recipe, a little bit of flour, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of salt, a little bit of eggs, a little bit of this and that, a little chocolate, and all of a sudden you've got you a chocolate cake or something like that. They're all meant to contribute to flavor of something much better and greater. Some people take a chapter and make it their story. They say stuff like, that's the story of my life when bad things happen. I'm a day late and a dollar short. That's the story of my life. The story of my life is two steps forward and three steps back. The story of my life, if anything bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. But what they don't realize is that day late was supposed to be a chapter, not the story. The dollar short was a chapter, not the story. What I want to preach tonight is you don't need to sabotage your story by embracing a chapter as the story. Because chapters are just chapters. They are not the story. Remember this. God always intended our story to be a story of triumph. He always intended our story to be a story of overcoming victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal processions in Christ. See, there is a difference, folks, between the word victory and the word triumph. And I have taught it here before, but I want to teach it again to the new people that have not heard me talk about it. Victory is having something that happens in a day. Triumph is having something that happens in a lifetime. It's victory after victory after victory after victory. There was a day in my life when a man named Edwin Moses ruled the hurdle world. The 400 meter hurdles. Edwin Moses could not be beat. Danny Harris ran against him some 40 times and was beaten 40 times. They kept asking Danny, why are you still running against Edwin? He is the best that ever was. He's, he's a triumphant hurdler. He said, because one day I'd like to think that I could triumph over the triumphant. And Danny one day beat Edwin. He beat him in a race. And Edwin went over and hugged him real big. It was about the 45th race. And Danny beat him, but he never beat him again. Edwin beat him three or four times, then retired and said, that's all you're ever going to beat me. Because triumphant people know how to be triumphant. When, when Julius Caesar came back to Rome, through the, through the, through the gate, through the, through the arch, the arch of triumph, they, they saluted him. They honored him because he came back as a triumphant general. He came back as a man who was triumphant. God does not want you to have victory on Wednesday night and have defeat tomorrow. 
He does not want you to have joy here tonight and sadness tomorrow. He does not want you to walk in here and say, well, I feel good tonight, but what about tomorrow? He wants you to live in a continual state of triumphant living for the rest of your life. He wouldn't have put it in the Bible if he did not want that in your life. That's a word picture that everyone in Corinth had seen and identified with. The Apostle Paul uses this picture to remind God's people, this is your story. What's my story? To allow God, to allow me to be a triumphant, say triumphant, child of God. Don't let the chapters of injustice, the chapters of failure, the chapters of sorrow have the final word in your life. Grab this imagery. Brand this picture on your heart. God always leads us in triumphal procession in life. Come on, clap your hands. Clap your hands to that. That's good stuff. And as I thought about this, some book titles jumped out at me as being accurate summaries of people's lives. Book titles like Distractions from Destiny. That's a good book title. Living on the Border of Disorder. That's a good book title. The Lies That Are Holding Me Back. That's a good title. From Victory to Despair. That's a good title of some people's lives. Then I saw better ones. Titles I think God would want as the summary of our life. Here's a good title, Just Like Jesus. Here's a good title, Built to Last. Hallelujah. Here's a good title, From Good to Better to Great. Here's a good title, Failing Forward. Here's a good title, Power, Power and Passion. Here's a good title, I Dare to Succeed. Here's a good title, The Winning Attitude. That's what you need in your life. Amen. Point number two, let me talk to you. Some of the worst chapters make the best stories. The greater the adventure, the greater the adversity, the greater the challenge, the greater the story. Think about your favorite stories that you've ever read in your life. Just think about them. The best stories have chapters in the stories about seemingly impossible and difficult situations, and you can't go to sleep till you finish that chapter. I used to know. I read Hardy Boy Mysteries. I read every slap one of them. Mama used to say, get out of the house. I could read three Hardy Boy stories on Saturday. I could read three, and I could have nightmares all night and had to be delivered from dreams on Sunday morning at church. But the best, that's the truth. Y'all think I'm just saying that to say that's the truth. I used to get rebuked for reading them Hardy Boy stories. The best stories have chapters in the story about seemingly impossible and difficult situations. No one would want to read a book without adventure, without thrills, without challenges, without adversity. In fact, you wouldn't even want to read the Bible if it was just Leviticus and Numbers. And he begat he, and he begat he, and he begat he, and he begat he. But you like when there's a little bit of adventure there. Great stories in the Bible. We love the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, don't we? We hear it preached again, we just get excited. I love that part. Woo, I like this part's coming. <laughs> Something's fixing to happen. Watch this now, watch this now. They're going to bind them. They're going to cause the fire to be seven times hotter. I've heard this. How's this preacher going to preach it? And some preachers just put it way out there into Mars. And they're going to throw them in. And the men that threw them in all died because the fire was too hot. But when they looked in, when the old king looked in, he said, Did we not bind and cast three men in the fire? Lo, I see four unhurt walking in the fire. It must be the Son of God. Is that what he said? I'm telling you, you love that. You put your Bible down and you just have a little dance in your, in your room, you know. Woo, glory. But yet, yet, 
when it comes to you living that. That's just the chapter. In the Olympics, the greater the stories are the people who had difficult chapters, skaters whose mom died suddenly when she was at the games competing, or a long time ago, Nancy Kerrigan, when somebody attacked her knees in competition. We love those kind of stories of overcoming. We love them. We love to talk about Daniel in the lion's den. and We love to talk about people being held hostage in a mountain. We love to talk about the Holocaust. And we love to talk about people that survived the Holocaust. We love that because we love to know that people made it through the situation in their life. Then one day they decide this chapter is not my story. But saints, did it make a great story or what? I remember... I remember when Christine Kane first came to the scene and, and uh, her life was so pitiful. I heard her speak. She was disowned and abandoned by her mother. But she realized that was just a chapter in her life. And her first book, you know what it was called? Undaunted. Undaunted. Be the love, be the hope, be the change is what she wrote about. It don't matter what happens in that chapter some of the worst chapters in your life make the greatest stories. Or how about Tyler Perry? Anybody like Ty? Anybody like Medea? Yeah. God, we got some Medea fans in here. My daughter's a Medea freak. The oldest one that likes jewelry. She's a Medea freak. If you were to grab a chapter of Tyler Perry's life, you'd read how he was born in extreme poverty and had an abusive father. He was living in his own car at the age of 28. So why do we assume our story is bad one minute, uh, uh, one, uh, uh, as a bad one, the minute adventure comes into our life? It's time to understand something, that a chapter of your book does not determine the end of your life. You've got another chapter coming in your life. I'm going to set up something for you now. I'm going to set up something. There's a woman named Susan Weldon that had cancer in 2015, breast cancer. And the doctor didn't know how she was going to make it through it. And she was discouraged and dissuaded. And she lost all of her hair. And I used to rub her head because I thought it was the cutest bald head in the history of the church. I'm setting this story up for you. Then there's a woman that works here. Her name is Brenda. Her name is Brenda Wright. And Brenda contacted cancer. And it looked like it was going to be the end for her. And we prayed and we asked God to give her help and strength. And then there's a man right now in the hospital in Temple, Texas, in the VA hospital in Temple, that just had surgery, bad surgery for stomach cancer. And they took over two-thirds of his stomach out. I'm just setting the story up. That's some bad chapters, folks. That's some bad chapters. But when you assume that you have a bad, uh, bad chapter, you think, or a bad adventure, you think that the book is over. But I'm going to tell you a story after the story in just a little bit. Because God's not finished when you read a bad chapter in your life. Oh, God's not done with you because a bad chapter comes in your life. God's not finished because you read a bad chapter or had a bad chapter in your life. Get ready. There's some book coming in your life that you can't believe is going to happen in your own life. Point number three, you may not decide the chapters, but you do decide the story. None of us are the sole authors of our life story. There are other contributing writers. The plots are formed by the families we're born into. You couldn't help where you was born. You couldn't help if your mom and dad were alcoholics and they abused you. You can't help that. Or the neighborhood you grew up in or the classmates in school or the teachers at school or the, even the church you attended. 
You can't help that. But make no mistake about it. It's not their story. It's not your family story. It's not your neighborhood story. It's not your classmate's story. It's not the teacher's story at your school. And it's not the church's story. It's your story. Say, it's my story. God presented the animals to Adam and told him, Adam, you name them. I'm going to give you naming rights. And everything that walked by him, he said, that's a cow. That's a goat. That's a giraffe. (laughs) That's a pig. He named everything. God gives his people naming rights. I don't care what comes through your life. God doesn't name it for you. He gives you the privilege to name your situation. So what you going to name it? Oh, I feel like preaching right now. What you going to name it? What you going to name it? Are you going to name it the worst day of my life? Are you going to name it, you know, it's a stepping stone in my life? Are you going to name it, well, I've never had anything like this ever happen. I think God's against me. Or are you going to look at it and say, you know, this is only a cause for God to help me even greater. I'm coming out of this. I'm going to be greater than I ever was in all my life. Do you realize, folks, do you realize this? That when a, when a man is captured in the military, when he's captured in the military and put in a foreign prison in a wartime, Do you realize that when he comes out of that prison, he is still the same rank? He's still the same person. He's still identified as the same captain, the same lieutenant, the same sergeant. He does not lose a stripe. He does not lose his honor. He does not lose his valor. He just may have been sided for a little while and put in a prison for a while. But when he comes out, he's not demoted. He's not demoted. Many times he's promoted. He gets some, some kind of special medal. Because God never lets situations, if you don't name them such, as being a demotion in your life. Everything that happens in your life is only for a promotion to a greater story that you can tell in your life. So... Is the thing that's coming against you a stumbling stone or a stepping stone? Is it a problem or an opportunity? Is it a bitter life or a better life? Is it denied or is it just delayed? What is your story? You name it. At our house, back in the day, we recorded the TV drama series 24. I'm sorry if you don't like that. I like it. (laughs) I met Kiefer Sutherland in New York. I did. You know what? He was all right. He was fine. He, He didn't have any bullet holes in him. All right, he was good, and I said, Kiefer, you made Monday nights at the preacher's house for a long time. It sure was nice because, Kiefer, I'm a pastor. (laughs) And some of the things you went through were less than some of the people I pastor went through. (laughs) And every episode ended in a cliffhanger. You remember that? And now he's on this thing called Survivor, designated Survivor, and it looks just like a 24 series to me. And the plots were formed, and then we all wondered, what was the star Kiefer Sutherland going to do? What was Jack Byer going to do? What was he going to do now? We all know that the star doesn't decide the chapters, but he decides his response, which then decides the story. Our lives are the same. We don't control what families we're born into. 
what world events come in our life, what others do and say, but those are only plots in our story. It's not our story. And I'm going to give you my last point tonight, and I'm going to preach a while. The end of the chapter is not the end of the story. Say it with me. The end of the chapter. Not the end of the story. Jesus was on a cross one day. And he said it's finished. But what does that mean? Does that mean it's all over? No. It was just a completion of a chapter. Something new and better and fresh was about to begin. You know, there's some churches that have Good Friday services where people leave in so such heaviness and sorrow that, that the service must not have been presented right. Because, you see, Friday was just a chapter. But Sunday was coming. There was another chapter coming. And Sunday made it just like Friday made it. And Sunday was coming. And when he said it's finished... No need for us to be sad. Now, Sunday was a new chapter. There's never a time to stop expecting God to do great things in your life through every chapter. Declare that the story of your life. Now, let me talk about Susan Weldon. Last Tuesday, after two years, after 16 chemo treatments, last Tuesday she went to the doctor. And she said, I'm so sorry I was out of town Sunday, Pastor. I wanted to tell you so bad. She said, Pastor, I went to the doctor and said they checked me from top to bottom, stem to stern. And said, Pastor, there is absolutely no cancer in <laughs> And her hair's back. And her dog's back. No, she's, she's, she's whole. Two years ago, same porch, same woman with her husband by her side said, Pastor, I've got cancer. And I looked at her and I said, Susan, one day does not a life make. Amen. And I want to preach tonight one chapter in your book does not a book make. Amen. You understand that God can bring you out of any situation, but you have to name it. You have to call it what it is. Don't you allow hell to let you start calling things in a negative fashion. Look at it and say, I may be down today, but I'm coming out of this thing tomorrow. I may be hurt now, but I'm going to be healed tomorrow. I may be bruised now, but I'm going to be well tomorrow. Because God causes you to call it what it is. Let me tell you about Brenda Wright. Brenda Wright told me tonight, said, Pastor, please tell the church, thank you for praying for me. She went this Tuesday. She went yesterday. She came in my office jumping up and down saying, Pastor, I am healed. I'm clean of cancer in my life. Here's what I want this church to grasp. When the cancer came, we knew there was going to be an answer. Cancer always has an answer. But sometimes we don't look at the right answer. We say, oh God, we all, we all just shut it down and say it must be over. It ain't over till God says it's over. And when God says it's over, he's going to take us over. And we're going to be healed on the other side. But you might as well live life right now to the fullest and write your chapter after chapter saying God is for me. 
Oh, John Garza. Yeah, let me tell you about John. John had two-thirds of his stomach cut out. They found a spot on his liver, and they cut it off. And they came back in the other day and said, John, there's no cancer. There's no cancer. There is no cancer. There is no cancer. You are going home cancer-free. But I'd like to say this. I'd like to say this. Every Sunday, John and Gloria came to church. Every Sunday they came. He'd look at me and say, Pastor, I'm going to be well. I'm going to be well. He named his cancer, I'm going to be well. That's a cow. That's a pig, and I'm going to be well. Let me tell you a little story. It's, it's a neat story. Neat story. I'm going to close with this. Randy, don't come yet. It's a long story. <laughs> I lost my boy. You know that. I lost my boy in 1981. He would, uh, he'd be 40 if he was alive today. He'd be, he'd be the most handsome guy in this church. Because <laughs> he looked like his mama. <laughs> I lost him. And so, uh, many, many people thought that that was my story, that it was all over, that there was not going to be anything come from that, that I would probably sink in despair and, and probably walk away from the ministry and do all of that. And I'm telling this without emotion tonight because I want you to hear this. But God allowed me to find a prescription in my life where I could write another chapter. That chapter came in the form of Patty Joyce Jones. Patty came into my life with the sweet and supple way that she always does things, just kindness and exuded it. And God blessed our union with a, a girl. Everybody called me before Cassidy was born and said, Rex, your, your new chapter is starting and you're going to have another boy. Yeah. It was a girl. And uh, I wouldn't trade her for 87 of your kids. <laughs> but then we were expecting again. And I got more calls. I've heard from the Lord, Rex. I have heard from the Lord. <laughs> this next one, see, we didn't do the sonograms back then. We didn't, do all, we didn't know what it was. It's just mystery. And out came a curly-headed little girl, <laughs> Caitlin Dale, the one that sung right here tonight. And I had people honestly come up to me at the hospital and said, man, I'm so sorry. I said, sorry. <laughs> man, I'm blessed. I'm alive. I got a beautiful wife. I've got two wonderful kids. I got a little girl that survived the accident. I'm, I'm, I'm good. God was writing my story. It was another chapter. Fast forward. Fast forward. Misty gets married in 1995 to a good old boy, Harry Leggett. <laughs> Wasn't good enough, but he, he'll do. <laughs> and in their union, they became expectant. 
And then we, we, got the, we got the message it was going to be a boy. And I did a little. <laughs> and we named him Caden Blake. And they had to bag him six or seven times at, at the hospital because he couldn't breathe when he first got here. Hale laughed and said, oh, you got to see him, but I'm going to take him. And I said, you're not going to take him. He's going to live. Tomorrow night, he walks the stage at Irwin Center. He's graduating from high school. What you going to call yours? Then, four years later, Damon Misty had a boy on one day later than the first son. His name was Connor, another, another boy. And all of a sudden, all these guys that had prophesied that Cass and Kate were going to be boys started calling me again and said, I told you a boy was coming. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't write my story. I'm so glad that I got to write the story, that I got to read the chapters and God told my story for me. Amen. I'm glad that they didn't get to tell me how the story ended. And then Cass and Brad got married here. And they got to expect it. And we got us another little boy. God said, how many of these you want, son? <laughs> the story's getting better, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of cool now, isn't it? Huh? And so, boy, I feel good preaching this tonight. I hope I'm not boring y'all because I'm talking about us. And little Windsor's graduating from kindergarten this year. And, and he's the most loved kid in this class. Teachers whisper that to you. And he is. So we had three boys. And then Cass and Brad decided to have another baby. And it was a girl. I don't know if you've seen Caroline. I don't know if you've seen her or not, but she is a pretty stately in that looks department. And pretty stately in what she wants in life department. <laughs> and I'm honored to have the pretty little blonde-headed girl, Caitlin and our, uh, Caroline in our life. And then the youngest girl got married. I think this is so cool. Are you listening to this? Are you listening to this? This is my story. And her and Jaron, he's also a hairy-legged Brad is too. He might be pastor here, but he's a hairy-legged. But then Jeremy and Kate got married, and they had a little boy. Are you listening to this story? Firstborn boy. Firstborn boy. Firstborn boy. You know what? And then... Brad and Cass had another little girl named EJ, Ellery Joy. She walks around like she is the queen of the house. Stomach out, back, back. 
still writing the story. And then Caitlin and Jaron have a little girl. If you see a profile, her cheeks are so big you can't see her nose. Her name is Lennon May. The story is still being written. Somebody said years ago that I probably wouldn't be doing this in the next five years. But they don't get to call my story my story. I get to live my story. Same with you. Somebody clap your hands for Jesus in your life. Same with you. Same with every one of you. You may be going through a tough time right now, but there's another chapter coming. You may have some dilemma in your life right now, but another chapter's coming, and it is just a chapter. Come out. Come on now, Randy. It's just a chapter. There's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story in the book of Revelation about the Lord talking to those that overcome. He said, I will give you a white stone. A white stone. A white stone meant that you had a good day. A colored stone, a dark stone meant that your day wasn't real good. And people had urns at their door. And when people would come in, when men would come in, the father of the house would come in, he would either carry a a white stone or he would carry a colored stone. And he would throw in the white stone for a good day and he would throw in a colored stone for a bad day. But at the end of his life, when they sorted out all the stones, if he had one white stone more than he had the colored stone, had a successful life. We're not going to have all white stones. We're going to have some dark days and some dark nights in our life, but I promise you, you have naming rights to whatever comes into your life. Look at it and say, that is this, and I will name you that because it will not overwhelm me. I will live in victory in My story will be one of completeness. Would you stand all over the house? You've been a great, great audience tonight. A great audience. I don't preach long. I trust I preach decent to you. But I promise you this, and I want to, I want to say this to you with everything that I know. I, I want to tell you, if you're in something right now that you can't understand, just hold on. You're going to come to the end of that chapter. It's just a chapter. It's not your life. It's just a chapter of your life. And another chapter's coming. And that chapter's probably going to have excitement and adventure also. But just keep adding to it. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. Keep being triumphant in Christ. Keep naming it. Keep saying, I will overcome. I will make the great. I will, I will be what God wants me to be when he comes and gets me from this world. I will be that person. I'll overcome in the name of the Lord. Would you clap your hands real big and say, I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. Come on, I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. In the name of the Lord.